This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons, patrons like Joe Tato Chips and Alex on Earth. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit fishdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. You are listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, a JRPG Games Club podcast. This is Season 10, Episode 7, covering days 22 through 25 of Wolf Shride. I'm your host, Chris Taylor. My pronouns are he, him. With me today are my esteemed co-hosts. Simple Arnett, any and all pronouns. Ryan Beatty, they, them pronouns. Uh, forgot to write what happens last time. Last time some stuff happened. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh... In in keeping with the last time what happened, I uh, kind of glazed over my duty of uh, mid-fight dialogue note-taker because I'm the only one that's not sicko OP. Uh, so I went back and, and replayed it because I had an old save file. Also, side note, um, the Switch is very inconsistent with what games keep the clock running when you have it in sleep mode and which ones don't. And so uh, my play clock, it's now up to like 52 hours when I'm pretty sure I've played less than 20. Hell yeah. That's cool. So some things that Tiger says during this fight, you know, he starts and he's like, hey, could you just like give me a second so that I can practice my some moves by myself. And Knife is like, fucking no. Uh, so we covered that one. The other things that he says, you hit him hard and he goes, uh, man, stop being so harsh. I have a sick mom that I'm fighting for. And Knife's like, sorry, dude. And then you punch him again and he goes, didn't you remember him at my sick uncle? And Knife is like, uh, wait, I thought it was a sick mom. And Tiger's like, oh yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's an entire family. My whole family is sick, actually. And then you hit him again. Uh, and he's Papers, like, please ask motherfucker. Yeah, for real. <laughs> And then you and then you hit him a third time, and he's like, "Um, God damn it! Every single punch you land means like one like pristine brand new sound system that I can't buy." <laughs> Just totally revealing his lies and his grifts. And at that point, knife is like, "This is a fight. What the fuck do you want me to do? We are literally fighting. I need to fight you, you idiot." Hmm. All right. Also. I figured out what happened last time. Uh, last time we finished the exorcism of May Z's niece. Uh, we talked with Fancy Jack at great length about K dramas. Uh, we learned more about Duke's debt, and uh, we had a we had our fight with Tiger, which was we just discussed. And then at the end, Shade had a someone named Coltrane abduct Duke's mother, Dragon. I'm sorry, I don't Which, uh, think we had uh, we had heard her name yet. That's a hell of a thing. Yeah. No, we definitely have. Did we? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they they mention her name when uh, they're all talking, talking about, about the popcorn. How, yeah, exactly. Talking about the popcorn that they used to that dragon used to cook for the for the crew. Okay. It's not a great name. I don't love it. No. 
So we are now in Chapter 4, GW, and guess who can monologue like a motherfucker? <laughs> if you check the save screen quote for the moment, it is a sense of decency, if you ask me. If we have nothing else left amongst our carnivorous, gluttonous, anti-human, anti-life, we should at least have a minor sense of style left in all the rubbish. We should realize, well... We're all dead and fucked up, but at least give us a glance and settle with our differences. Just leave each other alone. Warren Ellis ass motherfucker. <laughs> I have no patience for GW, especially as we get longer and longer segments of him narrating. It's very funny because this is the episode where I where I turned on GW in a good way. And I was like, OK, I actually I really this works for me now. It when it was like this like cryptic you like you know when it was this cryptic voiceover that was kind of poorly worded before i started rolling my eyes at it but what we're gonna discuss at the end of this episode really worked for me oh it's the one about hugging yeah it's the one about hugging that's why it works for me mm-hmm. i'm weep lord <laughs> so it is the start of day 22 we have 41 remaining uh, everyone, save Duke, is here. Knife goes, uh, where's Duke? Shade says he just didn't come back last night. Shade says that he sent Duke a message, and he's sure it's been read, though. No reply. Knife's concerned about whether Duke is okay, and Shade's like, oh, yeah, sure. But he's he's been working hard. Let's give him some time off. Nebraska asks if he said anything, and Knife said he was worried about his mother, but didn't say anything about leaving. Shade says, don't worry about it. He's sure to be back in no time. And as a result, Peepoo takes charge aggressively, telling you that he is in charge now, and he will now control whether or not the day ends. Uh, so when we check in, uh, Nebraska is very worried about Duke. It's just not the same without him. Peepoo disagrees and thinks the air is lighter with him gone. Besides, he's probably wasted and crying his eyes out, sitting on a curb somewhere. Knife can put two and two together despite being a himbo and is worried about dragon and uh it it's sad to see knife this tense when he's supposed to be the zen guy more on that later so the next uh the next couple of days are more free roam days which is interesting like because I go and I do my routine and it starts to finally feel like this game is spinning its wheels, but we can still go out and do some stuff. There's still some unique dialogue, so we're going to go make the rounds. On our way to Hog's Yard, uh, there is a mysterious person in hooded robes hanging out by the closed uh, roadside bar. They don't have anything to say, and Shade approaches them and is like, what the hell? Uh, and it looks like the face is a skull underneath the hood and the robes which is neat and spooky bounty hog is back in the uh hogs yard jack is also still there so they're both there for the first time in a while and he thanks us for our work with may he can sleep in peace again he then goes on to reveal that he could have done it having been a priest he uh offered cheap 15 minute ceremonies he says i even married a guy to his cockatiel once fancy bird Way classier than my ex-wives. Much less demanding, too. And it's just... Bounty Hog is incredible. <laughs> Bounty Hog's incredible. It's perfect that he thinks that, like, being a mail order, like a Vegas wedding chaplain, same thing as a priest. Exact same thing as a priest. Bounty Fucking Hog thing. has yeah, big teenage me vibes. 
Did, 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 mm, mm. go ahead, go ahead, say it. Did teenage you also have an impeccably round ass like Knife Observes later? I used to be about 200% more androgynous, so no ass, just waif thin, looking like a fucked up David Bowie confusing people in cosplay. You know what? <laughs> After he says that, you'll never not notice how caked Bounty Hog is. Yeah, he's very caked up. At the Midnight Rider, Margaret and Charlotte are still here. Charlotte hates it here. It's too small a town and there's nothing to do. Margaret claims to love it, where Charlotte goes, is that only so you can watch Fancy Jack fight? Uh, and the answer is yes. Apparently, Hart has a rematch with Cowboy. That's us. We just found out about this just now. Yeah. They put a ton of work in and feel confident in Junker. And, uh, go ahead. Is it offensive that uh, Margaret keeps calling Fancy Jack Piggy, like, just over and over again? I know that we got Dog, we got Catman, we have lots of, like, names that allude to animals and shit, but, like, something about her being very excited about Piggy is fucking it it feels different it hits different for some reason no no if you want to say a slur against people like fancy jack you call them cops (laughs) that's right that's right (laughs) you should just bleep that in editing for extra bonus (laughs) no i think you should just leave it it's extremely good uh i think i think it's multiple people call him pig and he refers to his uncle as pig i think piggy is a little is piggy might be problematic yeah <sighs> when we head to the crapyard the uh, screen fades down and z calls out may to meet shade and may after being bullied by z into it thanks him and then in the conversation there's just like some mild pleasantries but may does say i want to dress like that one day kind of like a dickhead <laughs> <laughs> and then uh at the end of the conversation, May apologizes for being like this. She's just really tired these days, having basically not slept for months. So, do you think that Shade thinks he looks suave like a James Bond or Lupin the Third? Absolutely, yeah. But he tries to deflect to be like, ah, you know, this is just, this is just I the like look it. I settled on. Uh, yeah, I just like it, I guess. But yeah, no, he absolutely thinks he looks cool. He is he is the definition of, like, aging gangster who does not pay attention to modern trends. I love how no one thinks he looks cool, but everyone thinks something different about the way he dresses. Yeah, yeah. And multiple people instantly peg him for ex-gangster because of it. Mm-hmm. He's not fooling a fucking person. So speaking of not fooling anyone, whenever you do go to end the day, Pipu realizes that he can make the game go on forever. And he talks about how he is now all-powerful until Foam Gun breaks the fourth wall and intervenes. We then move to the round table, and with Duke not back, Knife is, of course, still worried about his friend. Shade has now tried calling him and gotten no response, and Duke is still reading his messages, just leaving Shade on red. Shade pivots the conversation to the upcoming fight with Hart, who has been making a comeback and rocketing up the ranks. Pipu lets us know Junker is now even more defensive than before. Um, I like that they kind of have abandoned all pretense of, like, making 
the episodic like mech fight part of the story here like you know we get it by eavesdropping on a conversation and then like there is you know slight spoiler for like half an hour from now but there's basically no in-game dialogue between uh junker and knife here it's literally just the thing that we're doing to keep the mecha fight part of the plot going forward while nothing else about it matters also i love how it matters so little like the previous fight it was called junker and now it's armored junker they're (laughs) they're like we've done so much work and it's we welded some points to it or whatever i mean that does fit with low budget jrpg recolor names slime to red slime Mm-hmm. Like at least, at least the, the the model is different. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not nearly as half-assed as that comparison made it sound, but it's yeah, it also can't be because the game is black and it, the game is grayscale. <laughs> what if they just inverted the colors on one of the mechs? That would be so good. That would actually would be an incredibly that. good joke. Never mind. Do that. Before the title card for the next day, there is a large gap. And then yeah, foam the gun. screen is black for like 10 seconds. I'm like, is something wrong here? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. There's a couple of those around here and not all of them end in foam gun stuff. I wonder if it's just something with the engines creaking. Anyhow, foam gun cuts in to tell us a sad story. Guy Lee was born in a small village in Taiwan. He grew up to be a dock worker, unloading huge cargo ships using a crane. Hell yeah, buddy. God, I want to do that so bad. It seems so fun. Uh, I got to know a lot of dock workers at the last job because they were the ones who we had to... um, Fuck it, I don't work there anymore. We had to bribe a lot of people to get our shit in any kind of reasonable time. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, we, we did start learning a bit of that. Also, that uh, job actually does seem like a nightmare because uh, those people, as far as I understood, understand, are like very, very overworked, like yes. traffic, air traffic yeah. controller tier. Yes. yes, which is why we had to pay handsomely for that kind of line jumping. Um, fucking Wolf Stride prequel is just season two of The Wire uh, and gets into the corruption it, at the heart of the dock workers union. Actually, if you're going to go that route... A better way to cover Wolfstride would have been if we just went through this and then did a season blowback style on this. Oh my god. (laughs) Anyway, one day a mysterious giant container arrived from China. For bureaucratic reasons, its contents were stopped from setting foot in Taiwanese territory. It was kept in storage for several months. I do love eliding Taiwan's relationship with China as, for bureaucratic reasons... Mm-hmm. <laughs> very good <laughs> especially in in a game that makes so many real world references them being like nah not touching that is bureaucracy very funny to me uh it's I, because we have to sell our game there yep i feel like the person writing these political and world backstory bits is not the same person doing the character writing because they have such a different tone yeah well even when they won't don't come out and say it here there's like a lot of implications when it comes to like china just adopts guy lee instantly so he can be their guy 
mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. there's a lot of interesting stuff that happens there, even if they uh, try to. Like, let's be fair, your your video game, may, your well, your back fighting video game, maybe not the right place to try to explain China, China and Taiwan, but also it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also weird that this one thing seems so unchanged compared to our world instead of getting weird with it, like the USSA or etc. Mm-hmm. But finishing Foam Gun's story, Guy Lee decided to open that giant container. To no one's surprise, he found a mecha inside, a Chinese prototype named P1 Gallo 01, and thus the legend of the unspoken loser began. And then we hit day 23. There are 40 days remaining, two days to the armored junker fight. At the start of day, the gang continues to talk about Duke. He is still the missing elephant in the room. Pipu gets mad after deciding that he's ditched them to chill at the beach. Knife says that he's getting really worried, and Shade is like, uh, don't worry, he'll definitely show up today. Stalling. Uh, when we check in with the folks at the hangar, Pipu uh, is still going through an existential crisis about his nakedness and his like difference between himself and humans. He says, after, you know, talking about Duke being drunk on a beach somewhere, he says, beaches are full of sand and naked people, and there's a huge sea. It's all beautiful. Pipu says he's naked, and he feels like if he gets close to naked people, he'll become more human. He then goes, you should get naked at Shade. Shade deflects and is like, you are the second craziest guy I've ever met. He has a great... I am into this shit-eating grin, though. It's the hype face. Yeah, yeah. the hype face is really good. Uh-huh. It's, yeah. I, again, the less Pipu does the dumb censorship bit, and the more he leans into just, like, being an absolute menace who's dealing with a an inconsistent sense of self by just being a megalomaniacal asshole, the more I like him. I told you that they would make Pipu a good character. Because Pipu is just Pipu is just turning into a questionable content character. Uh, I love that about him. Yeah, uh, I want to object to that comparison, but I can't. Pipu is just a word-filtered pint size from questionable content. Yeah, all right. All right. <laughs> I'll allow it. Look. All I'm saying is that the word fave is still in the phrase problematic fave. <laughs> Look for Chris um, Taylor's Slime Girl arc sometime in 2024. <laughs> uh, mm, oh, you got something to tell us? 2024 is a, li- you got something 2024 to tell us? Is a little late. <laughs> yeah. Knife has started meditating at Nebraska's recommendation, and it's been great for him, but uh, he's been having a hard time focusing these last few days. There is nothing new today, uh, so we can make our rounds and do our mini games and distribute our pineapples, but, like, it does feel like we're reaching, like, a hard midpoint where the game is like, eh, we're not gonna throw new parts new mini games new shit at you oh it did like at the end of the last episode it was like you now have the ability to be an amateur something or other i forget what that job is but that job doesn't show up at all for now so i you know that little weird anyway 
um yeah we we can make the rounds we can go check out uh, our progress at the arcade we can bathe some cats we can you know get some things that help us i got uh i got an engine from one of these mini games that gave me an extra move point and a 30 percent armor bonus at the expense of just like minus five base attack and it it's so much better than zz's echo engine even with oh, the that scorpio mic. engine yeah 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 it's really good it's yeah it's super good since there's nothing to do today we go to the end of the day and people just says i like to watch you sleep <laughs> and then knife just says someone called i didn't pick up like he's fucking in Shaun of the dead what are you doing <laughs> Nebraska says he gave, he gave the caller gave his name as National Legend. He said he was very interested in Cowboy and might have some information about it. National Legend didn't elaborate further, but it sounded like he was trying really hard to hide his excitement and invited himself over tomorrow. And despite himself being a criminal, Shade can't see any harm in just letting some random guy come over and uh, <laughs> says the intel could prove useful. And then we get some uh, GW narration where an adult small intestine is about 6.7 meters long. That means whenever you're hugging your mother, you're also hugging almost 7 meters of shit being processed. Not just your mother. Everyone. Just some trivia. Keep on rocking. Uh, okay, so I belay my like of GW's narration until one narration later, because this one made me roll my eyes extremely hard. That made me laugh. I love that GW is always trying to be very serious, and they're like, they're like, what will the metaphor be? And he's like, nah, JK, bye. That's good to me. <laughs> Again, it, this is Warren Ellis. The, yeah, the, with Warren Edgelord. Uh, yeah. I still can't believe that they kept that fucking idiot he introduced as a regular X-Man. The militant atheist who's trying to disprove God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's something. Oh, you know what? I was conflating Warren Ellis with Warren Spector. Mm, yeah. Because yeah, I am not a comics book person at all. Both dicks, only one of them has written a terrible novel and has sex pest problems. Yeah. I bet God. you there's a really bad Deus Ex novel that he had some oversight on. <laughs> I don't know if Warren Spector could write anything as bad as Crooked Little Vane. Anyway... It's day 24, and there is silence around the start of day table until it is broken by knife asking, Duke should be back right now, right? Shade agrees, saying that Duke isn't seeing his messages anymore. Uh, I think Nebraska is the one who suggests that maybe his battery died. Knife wishes GW were here, because he always had the answer and would know just what to do. But Knife is visibly beginning to panic at this point, we gotta call him. We gotta look for him. We gotta call the police. It's been 48 hours. And Shade's like, come on. Give it one more day. I promise Duke will be back. And Foam Gun interjects to you, the player, saying, tomorrow is going to be a busy day. Whatever needs done in town should be done. Day 24. So, there is a new robe guy on the way to the crapyard. Again, still totally silent and shade is still like baffled at the sudden influx of uh what looked to be cultists yeah he goes and, what's up with all these weirdos 
Yeah. yeah I think and then we make our next recording. He actually calls them out for what they are. Yeah. Oh, the one little foam gun guy Lee thing that I forgot to put because I put the screenshot in the wrong part of my notes that made me laugh. Uh, so sorry for just a couple a couple of minutes ago. Fine. But he does say Guy Lee had just been dumped by a girl so ugly her kisses tasted like an uppercut, which is Okay. I wanna okay, I gotta tell you, there's a different equally good insult for his girlfriend in the script. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah, they changed it. It's very funny to me. Hold on, let me find it. Control F. Guy So ugly, mirrors refuse to reflect her. <laughs> That's good. I love that they're like, no, we gotta get a different one. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking great. Um, so, then, you know, after we finish making our rounds and spinning our wheels a little bit, we go to the end of the day, and uh, even Peepoo wants to know where Duke is, and Shade heads out for one last sweep around town. We fade out and back in, and Shade comes up empty-handed. However, the crew's worries get cut off by the arrival of... Oh, sorry. That's okay. I love... So, I was like, why would they do this and not make you go around town? Then I was like, oh, it's because some of these characters don't have a walking animations and they need an excuse to teleport everyone to the bottom of the hangar. (laughs) Well, it's also like at this point, we know that shade is responsible for Duke's absence. And so he's not actually going to want to walk around and explore that much. There's also, there's a thing we have been true that we haven't really discussed before, but you only control shade while he's doing management for the organization you're not controlling shade all of the time that shade is alive right like he still books fights that you have no involvement and does a bunch of stuff you're uninvolved in so like it's there's like a there's like a little weirdness around that well and i kind of want to camp out on that in a few minutes when we control knife's character because i think that the way that the game puts characters into perspective and when you control them and why is actually doing some kind of interesting stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, when Shade returns empty-handed, the crew's worries get cut off by the arrival of National Legend. He immediately geeks out over Cowboy and can't believe it's the real deal. Uh, he looks like, and he looks like what he is, which is the uh, game introducing the guy who's like, I should, you know, why are you the anime protagonist of this mecha show? I should be the anime protagonist of this mecha show. He's got... Uh, a baseball cap that says Gallo on it. He's got like a warm-up jacket that he zipped all the way up to his neck. He's got fucking anime main character bangs and he's wearing a band-aid on his nose and has incredibly pouty lips. Um, He rocks. He rocks. I think he is the only person in the cast who could be described to have DSL. Uh, He does. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Like, uh, it breaks the art style seeing his face. <laughs> they are plump. National Sorry, Legend. Maybe think of that tweet where it's like, with lips like those, there's no way Charlie's family is poor. With it from Charlie <laughs> the Chocolate Factory, when she's just like sucking on a chocolate bar. Oh my god. <laughs> oh Look, my god. 
We're getting that Adult Wonka reboot soon. Maybe we'll find out. <laughs> this is funnier if you watch this video clip because she's like, doesn't know how to eat a chocolate bar and just sucks on it really hard. It's so funny. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> National Legend turns out to be a former pilot of the pilot of the extinct P1 Gallo 01. He tells us that Cowboy was never supposed to exist. All of the other P1 models were recycled in prototyping by the government. The 07, Cowboy, was supposed to have been destroyed and the parts buried. It is a national secret and shame. The Gallo 07 was made specifically for Guy Lee, who we already learned about. We do find out that he learned to pilot in secret, taking the mech for strolls at night. He even once saved a cargo ship from sinking using the 01. As word of him spread... Uh, he was endorsed by the Chinese government and became an official pilot. I think what they mean is snapped up so China can look great. Yeah. Guy Lee was a prodigy, but the Gallo 01 had a lot of flaws and it was believed to be holding him back. He refused, however, to pilot another mech and became a legendary underdog. However, as mech battling began to spread around the globe, Guy Lee fell into oblivion as he lost almost every match he fought. Uh, they just fell into oblivion here instead of like the world forgot about him multiple times. And that's weird to me. Out of the blue, a millionaire offered to help. He convinced the government to make a new version of the Gallo 01, a mech that would be built just for Guy Lee. Guy Lee accepted under the condition that it had his number. Lucky seven. Guy Lee was very involved in the creation of the mech. And when it was done in his first official fight, he demolished the opponent. However, in its seventh fight, it was discovered that the 07 had a fatal flaw. The secondary engine was leaking what was thought to be an insignificant amount of fuel. Uh, he ignored his like team's advice and refused to back out of the fight. And in the fighting, a spark caught and he died burning to death in his own cockpit, still fighting till the end. Afterwards, the Chinese government began burying evidence that the Gallo 07 or Guy Lee ever existed. Despite this, National legend goes, yep, this is it. This is the 07. Cowboy is the real deal. The guy then asks, will you let me pilot it for a day? And Knife refuses. National legend does not understand why Knife was chosen to pilot this. He lacks the warrior spirit, the desire to win no matter what. It, it possibly, okay, so national legend keeps talking about his dad and how his dad is the only is like one of the only people who still knows about the legend of guy lee and gallo 07 which makes it sound like he could be guy lee's son or or something like that but there is he keeps talking about like oh my dad would have killed to have seen this i have i would love to pilot it just for a day to just you know just to tell my dad that i was able to do it but we yeah, don't he know gives we off grandson vibes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was more thinking that National Legend's dad is like, what if one of those weirdo fanboys who keep watching the murder machine down at the rider fucked? Because oh. they sound like fanboys to me. Yeah, that's also very possible. Uh, it he, he he gives off fanboy energy as well, like extreme fanboy energy, either because like, this is my family legacy. Or right, because he's he's someone who is extremely into a. It is pilot. worth pointing out that his portrait is drawn like distinctly ethnic compared to everyone else. Like yes. so, 
that that lends some credence to the maybe related thing. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, I suspect he's definitely Chinese to some degree. It's just I don't think it's a direct descendant of Guy Lee. Yeah. Well, who knows? We'll find out, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I do not remember. Anyhow, he leaves saying the next time we meet, he's going to be the one testing Knife Spirit. And then there's a meanwhile where we see Godworm's chin poking out from under robes. I actually didn't recognize yeah. that. So this this is the, the spoiler that we we're discussing. So you remember Skullman in the bar? That's also Godworm. Godworm has been around town for a while, and the game is counting on you not remembering what Godworm looks like. Hmm. But Godworm has been around town, and if you recall, was also leading a weird cult. So that is what's going on here, is that Godworm is in town and his cult is, like, moving into town. Interesting. Anyhow, that takes us into Day 25. Uh, Day 25 sucks because it starts with Knife immediately going, All right, no, fuck it. Everyone is going to look for Duke. That's it. That's today. And we can't save all day. This is just a long stretch of scripted shit. It's all skippable, though. It's fine. Yeah. The, Some of it isn't. The lack of saving is very frustrating, especially in a game that has issues with same games, with uh, game saves, uh, where sometimes it freezes on a screen transition and makes you replay a lot of the game, like what happened to me last time. But also... It's very interesting because mechanically I find this extremely frustrating, but story-wise, I live for all of this shit. So I made a comment earlier that I think this engine is held together with way more duct tape and gum than uh, I let on earlier. At first, I thought it was just from doing my sicko playthrough, but now that I'm actually having to do a completionist run to do notes, the game is just as broken And I think this is why at this point in the game, they start taking away the ability to skip cutscenes from you. Mm. Yeah, like like we've mentioned before, this is this is truly an indie game. And uh, it's cool that we're covering it for the show. And I'm really enjoying that part of it. But yeah, technically, it is a lot uh, hinkier than the average game that you can pick up and play these days. All of this conversation definitely makes me want to shoot down Matt's suggestion of playing an Ultima, because imagine how insufferable that would be. (laughs) Okay, but those at least have finished versions. Nobody showed this game that love. Well, the one thing I will say is you can't save here because they don't let you save whenever you could potentially introduce a soft lock to your plate. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I... I know why they did that on this day, especially because I guarantee playing as knife and saving would fuck your shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've played around with a little bit of save hacking trying to just do some things. This game is nuts under the hood in what little probing I've done. That doesn't surprise me. It's also it's also worth noting that, like, they have patched a lot of the hard locks out of the game by this point, which is great. You know, a lot of bugs and issues still exist, but it is in a much, much more stable state than it was when it was first released. Yeah, I haven't seen any crashes. I'm not saying this is a new Vegas-style disaster, but 
I am saying I think this engine is far more fragile than they might have realized, but we're too far in by this point to do things, which is why some features just stop at times, like the cutscene skip. <laughs> so, while the game is yada yada yadaing, uh, the team search, the screen fades to black, and we start to get more GW voiceover, uh, and it starts to cut in more and more through the rest of this episode. And yeah, this... we're alternating between knife and GW, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I this this really works for me. You know, it's like the the like the grab bag of tonal shifts and the grab bag of storytelling devices that Wolfstride often employs is uh used to really great effect here. I think that the intercutting between GW and knife is very poignant. So GW says, Once I woke up to the screams of a child. I never knew kids could scream like that, like nails scratching the inside of a throat. It was a rainy morning. The day had just about started. But for that kid, it would never really end. He shouted and called out his name again and again, all to no avail. I kept thinking that maybe his brother got lost in the woods, a broken leg under a tree, that somehow he had passed out. Passed out. Imagination can be its worst at times like this. His voice grew weaker and distant like a dream. I can still hear him calling when I close my eyes. we go back to the entire crew is on the highway to the hospital searching for Duke. Everyone is very worried. Knife is freaking out. Pipu is so upset about it. He's laying on his side, which I think is very funny. Knife cannot believe that they put off looking for Duke for so long. And now he could probably be dead and Knife cannot afford to lose another friend. And then GW cuts back in saying this kind of pain wakes up forgotten memories, memories of his brother. Forever lost in the woods. And then we hear Knife and Tears apologizing to Duke and his brother, saying, I'm sorry, I'm so fucking sorry. Why wasn't I there for you? What the hell was I doing? And GW comes back. Two minutes of distraction. That's all it took. A life undone. How far could he have gone? Little feet crossing into the river, into the forest. They should have brought him back. His brother's smile, now a forever hollow chasm. Uh, another knife interjection, blaming himself, and then more GW. It all becomes one. Bits and pieces of me inside a coffin. His brother in the woods. Duke in the woods. Bits and pieces of everything. We are the all-dead motherfuckers. Uh, put a, put a pin in that line because this becomes, like, probably one of the single worst lines in the game once... We see the payoff for it later, in my opinion. 
can't be the kiddo forever. Still pushing the little daisies to make them come up. We're part of the earth and the scars from which you thrive. You can't be the kiddo forever, but right now you shouldn't be anything else. And the gang is still looking for Duke. Now they're in the city heading towards the writer. When Duke's voice comes in with a, the crap is going on here. What's with you, kid? You all right? We go to one last chunk of GW narration. His brother comes out of the woods. I step out of my coffin. Sup, motherfuckers. Alternative realities coming to life. A glimpse of joy. Though he knows his brother will never come back. I'm still dead. The chasm is still there. But Duke is here. And now I go back to being a reminder of what used to be unbearable. A glimpse in the dark. Get back. Get back. Out of the light. There you go, kid. You gotta fight tonight. There are some lines in here that are kind of clunky, and some of them that are incredibly evocative and powerful to me. I love bits of pieces of me inside a coffin were part of the earth and the scars from which you thrive a ton. I also really like the chasm is still there, but Duke is here, and now I go back to being a reminder of what used to be unbearable. Like all like that hit me hard. I it 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 it's really powerful when it works, and it's just it's funny that uh these lines that make me roll my eyes and the and these lines that make me go, whoa, are sometimes like one right after the other. Wolfshine is definitely at his strongest writing about like loss because that's mostly what the game is yeah i think i would be less cross with this segment if maybe let's just say politely one third of these lines were cut because part of dragging it out is not pacing it is just a lot of individual sentences that the voice actor is trying their hardest to carry and some of them work some of this is good some of this is trash and should not have been allowed in by an editor. Speaking speaking of voice acting, by the way, the voice acting on Knife here and on all of the ensuing scenes for the rest of this are really fucking good. Yes. I agree. And and I'm sure we'll talk about it in just a second, but like it's very funny that last episode we were talking about how knife is the only one of the whole crew who has his shit together and seems like a normal person and then immediately the very next episode we find out that he in fact does not have his shit together and he's just putting a smile on to keep from freaking out all of the time well in fairness that makes him the most normal person here yeah no that's fair because that's, that's what people true. that's what everyone does uh-huh <laughs> So we are uh, at the hangar for the fight prep and Duke says that he had to take. So, okay, this is this is interesting because we get another like brief cutscene back at the hangar. And then for the first time, we control knife out of the mech. And it's the because of that, it's the first time that we have any sort of interiority into knife and like i was mentioning a little bit before um you know mecha fiction 
being about bodies and and being about like personhood and all of that i know that we've talked about how the game is not really purposefully exploring that but it is exploring characters and perspectives and even if it's not necessarily on purpose i i did i found it really i'm trying to come up with a better word other than just good because good is bad well, criticism but like it striking it's, because it's striking yeah it's not exploring the people around a mech in the normal way it's exploring them as actual people in a way that is usually not present totally totally and it yeah striking is a good word for it. it it took me by surprise and it was like oh right okay so we only control shade and only have interiority with shade when he's doing management shit generally we only control knife when he's fighting and he's in his fight zone and then all of a sudden we're controlling knife outside of the mech and we get perspective on him in this really direct way for the first time and you know it's like 15 to 20 hours into this game if you're playing it normally and not in a sicko way and it's just it's great so i will say for the for the record i wrote all these nice things down verbatim feel free to edit them if you want i just wrote them down verbatim since we get so little knife perspective and there's so much of it totally it's a forever (laughs) understood yeah no uh i didn't want to replay this day because it's so dense but also i do like this day even though i griped about the engine kind of falling apart to do this because playing as knife and all of the dialogue we are about to get absolutely rules it is so refreshing to see a different character and it gives me what i think are a lot of the writing problems are supposed to just be shade is a dick internally because this feels like a different voice. Yeah, they we have like, a team that shade fucking sucks as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's so, and it, and like we're for all of his talk of like trying to become a better person and outrunning his regrets. He's still pulling shady, pardon the dumb pun shit and manipulating who are supposed to be his closest friends in order to move them forward toward, towards a goal that he thinks is normal. And good news, we are seeing, that's the plot. <laughs> right. But, like, we are, we are seeing the impact, the effects of Shade's bullshit on another character yeah. through the eyes of another character. And it's like, oh, wow, okay. And Protagonist does not equal hero. Correct. Shade fucking sucks. And, like, a lot of... The reason, like a lot of the stuff we don't like about GW from the Remember the Heist narration is really just this is why Shade sucks because GW sucks mm-hmm. in the same way but more extreme. And Shade mm-hmm. yeah. needed an identity to adopt after being forced out of the Yakuza and Japan. And GW was just the, the guy who scooped him up. Right, right. Yeah, it, it, this, is, this is really, really good. So, Duke for what says, it's worth, just because there was a comment about this earlier, and now that we've got Duke back, I can talk about this yeah, for more context. I don't think Duke runs... I don't think Shade sidelines Duke. I think Duke went off to do his own shit because Shade accidentally got his mother kidnapped or put into protection or whatever Purpose. the situation is there. Yeah, Coltrane is his Yakuza friend. Oh, yeah. 
But I don't know if I would say Duke's disappearance is because of Shade the same way that it kind of sounded like earlier. That, I, I just wanted to get that right, yeah. on the record. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is. Because Shade could have just said, hey, I did something to protect your mother. But he doesn't want to do that because he did not give Duke any sort of agency at all. He just decided and did it in the worst way possible. And now he has to stay quiet about it. I'm going to stay quiet about that because I think I'm ahead of both of you in the story. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I don't remember right. all of the fine details. Right yeah, I fair. have pushed ahead a lot to be backup notes person. Got it. So. Duke says he listen i'm i'm sorry kiddo i just had to take care of some things so fucking funny to say it that way i was gone for Uh like three days it's like it's like in pokemon when brock can't solve the problem he's like i had stuff to do yeah or one of my absolute favorite throwaway community bits from season three is when john goodman starts growing a ponytail and every and everybody's like the fuck's the deal with the ponytail and john goodman just says i'm going through some things yeah (laughs) Just a line. Uh, I love. I love just aligning a whole bunch of shit with. Don't worry about it. I'm busy. Yeah. This is a very me thing to do. To like, I'm just gonna vanish for a few days. But look, I was just working. Uh huh. Knife tells Duke how worried he was. To which Duke replies, "It was just a few days out. I can take care of myself." Everyone tells Duke how much this fucked Knife up. Totally aligning the fact. Yeah, yeah, everyone's like, like, fuck you. I love how, how A, because, like, everyone jokes about Knife and how Knife is dumb, but then everyone fucking circles the wagons and is like, you heard our sweet baby boy, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, which, and then even Shade, like, joins in on the you heard our sweet baby boy, fuck you, when it's Shade's fault. Yeah. Um... <laughs> But that doesn't mean he doesn't care about what happened to Knife, even if it's totally. his fault. Totally. It totally yeah. rocks. And we saw a lot of that earlier on, where Duke was the only person caring about knife safety in the mech multiple times at the start of the game. Mm-hmm. We'll straight <laughs> Caring about place, knife y'all. safety. <laughs> um, so, Duke asks if he's okay now and knife lets out a sigh of relief and his voice starts returning to normal as he tells duke i've lost too much already don't do this to me ever oh. again the voice acting on that line <sighs> is so good because it goes from like borderline in tears to normal over the course of the line yeah and like just this is this is not fair to final fantasy 14 but Knife saying I've lost too much already and contrasting that with Tataru nah. saying I've lost too much already night and fucking day. Yeah, well, also, Knife hasn't made his entire deal acquiring money. Yeah, that's very true. Well, yeah, that's Shade's job. Um, Duke apologizes and Knife tells him he's glad that he's back. And it's, it's witch time, motherfuckers. And uh, so it's like the preparing for the fight in the hangar talking to folks but we control knife which means we get mike uh knife's internal monologue and the music is different i like how the choice of music here indicates like the big vibe shift that has happened and hog calls out later yeah that's great um just it's so contrasting 
Wolfstride's attention to detail with like the rickety framing it's built on is just wild to me. Like the game could fall apart at any second. And yet like there are all of these subtle touches and loud touches that are so unique to this game. And yeah. and there, there's a like, reason I would describe Wolfstride as a, I have described Wolfstride to you guys as a six out of 10, but also the best game to come out last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there was and, a new Saints Row. Fuck. Mm, so heard, bad. Yeah, I've, I've heard that the new Saints Row is not good. But it's somehow uh, more boring than Watch Dogs 2. I want to kill every fucking protagonist in that game with my own two hands. Great. <laughs> Great. So when we talk to Duke as Knife, Duke apologizes again, saying again he had some stuff to take care of and that he can't talk about it right now. Knife thinks to himself, I'm really glad you're back, friend. All those painful memories about losing my brother. I thought I was over it. But honestly, I don't know how to heal that wound. You always felt like an older brother to me. When talking with Z, Z expresses sympathy for Knife having a tough night. And he responds in his internal monologue parentheses, I wish I could age like you, Z. You look tough as hell. You're an old badass lady if you ask me. You got so many wrinkles. It's like desert skin. Don't get me wrong. I like it. I'm just glad you can't hear my thoughts. You'd kick my ass. I love this perspective on Z. That's good. Uh-huh. Uh, so many characters Fitz, are fun in this lens. Yeah. 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 When, like when you talk to Fancy Jack, Fancy Jack wishes us luck and promises to buy us drinks at our inevitable victory celebration. And uh, Knife thinks, I wish I was a pig, man. <laughs> Do they have a corkscrew tail or something? I wish I had a tail. I would hold all sorts of stuff <laughs> like a monkey. I think I'd rather be a monkey then. I don't know if pigs can hold anything in their tails. But again, <laughs> I think I only need the tail. That'd be cool. <laughs> uh, and then hilariously, after this like really big emotional beat, the game lets you talk to Bounty Hog. And yeah. uh, when you talk to Bounty Hog, he goes, Oh boy, what the hell happened here? Feels like a fart funeral. <laughs> And Knife goes, I don't really know shit about you, but I'm really astonished about how round your ass is. I will I really want to hold on to it tight. To scoot not and I have really gotta hold on tight, not to squeeze it. Not in a sexual way, I mean. It's like when you see a bald guy and want to draw on his head. <laughs> and we talk to Nebraska. Nebraska tries to pump up Knife, telling him about how he's the best. So he says, If only you knew how much I wanted to run away from all this. I'm not as cool as Shade. My stunt is just to throw myself at dead-ass situations. All those thoughts disappear once I'm inside Cowboy, though. While I'm there, I can almost grasp my true self. And we have two remaining, Peepoo and Shade. Peepoo tells Knife, keep his head on straight, because you're my best student. I love that. Also his only student. Good joke. <laughs> hmm mm-hmm. And Knife thinks, you're the coolest, Sensei. I'm really lucky to have all you guys here. I don't want to think about the aftermath of all this, but I can't help thinking I'll miss you guys like hell. Damn, now I want to cry in some corner. Keep it together, dude. And Shade just goes, so you're good now? And so, of course, Knife takes this, man, I was so pathetic. How does Shade never lose it? I guess I'm still not one of the cool kids. Shade, GW, Duke. I tried my best to be like them, but I just don't have it in me, that cool factor. I still feel like a kid around them, but I'm glad they're still my friends. I like that Knife does not notice. Again, 
here, Shade's interest in knife being okay is purely utilitarian. Because he needs knife to be okay to win the fight to help solve some of the problems with Duke that he helped create. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. it's it, like Shade in his own paternalistic, dumb, fucked up way does really care about knife, but also it is a means to an end at the same time. It can be both. It's great. It's great. Yeah, some people really love their favorite saw. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I love just circling back to national legend being like, but why you? You don't have the fighting spirit. And then immediately after that, we get Pineapple's perspective to start to answer the question of what kind of spirit Pineapple's actually has. It rhymes. It's like poetry. Put a pin in that too. Yeah. And so... We did not mention it, but Bounty Hog is here because we are going to an arena out of town and we need to borrow his truck. On the way to the arena, there's a little bit of back and forth in the truck and a Vengabus gag. Jack hates it. Hog says kids have no sense of humor and Peepoo agrees. I'm with Hog on this one. Uh, this makes Hog like Peepoo and then quote, I feel a tiny bit of remorse for burying you in my backyard. Like I committed a tiny little murder. Good thing you're not even alive, so the cops ain't coming. <laughs> I also screenshotted this. It was great. And then uh, the new, there's like new stadium background, and this uses the um, new fight music, and like is really good put together. Like just the AV stuff on the fight. Yeah the um, the arena here, the plus damage spaces are at just at the two ends of the arena and the very center of the arena there's no like midpoint between those two for the attack ups which um lends itself really well to my fighting style for this fight same yeah this one was uh pretty tough game build but the the opponent numbers are high enough that when the initial burst wasn't enough i do like really hard go on the defense for a while until i could get both arms down which worked out great because Art is using the defender style, which means she gets basically no meter unless you hit her while she's blocking or using a defense skill, and she can't do that when she doesn't have it. So it's one weird trick to beat martial artists. <laughs> <laughs> I played around with my with my style again, and I'm going more like mid to long range, and I it was like a cheat code for this fight because. I have this move, I think, called like Night Killer or something like that, which is a medium yes. long range attack that both does like 60 plus damage plus your modifier yeah. and also shreds armor. Uh, Maybe and... the strongest attack in the game in terms of when you get it, how powerful it is. Yeah. And... Yeah, I've got that on my build as well. And so my move for this fight was to move just close enough that I could do that and then move closer so I could do another armor shredding shot and then get up super close to her so that I can use a knockback punch for the next turn. And then I now have five ability points so I can also reload so I can do more shooty stuff next turn. It like it, this was the easiest of the main plot fights. And I think it's, I think it's because like we've alluded to the, like the game stopped opening up and like giving you new weapons and new moves and shit. And so 
I am finally at the level where I like have enough stuff unlocked am like achieving parity with the story bosses and so it, this was the first time where i was like oh i can just kind of like shred through this fight and uh there's also no real in-fight dialogue with heart at this point at all no this fight feels like it is just a gear check yeah mm-hmm. and if it didn't come after the longest day to this point, that would probably not be a problem. I mostly find this to be kind of contentious on my part because I mentioned it later, the game has not had any new parts or skills available for sale since day 17. None I'm going to game... go ahead and say this is incorrect. This is no, it is, a it matter... is correct. I know, I know. It's correct that there's not something new to buy, but the perspective on this is the perspective of someone who broke the game and doesn't have the arcade, because if you don't have infinite money and you unlock the arcade, you basically have four days to generate about $12,000 because all the you unlock like 12 moves from Pipu last time he opened new stuff. They're all very expensive and the arcade is a huge cash thing. So basically, while there is nothing new, you're still getting new stuff and tweaking your build. And then here is where you say, did what you is what you arrived at good enough for when the enemy. As a mild as a mild counter to that, I am I'm not trying to break the game. I'm just playing the game normally. And I maxed out the arcade on day one of this and I ended with thirty thousand dollars and it did it 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 felt like the games like like i had outstripped the game's pacing it this is i i've alluded to it a little bit here and there this is the first time where the basic loop of the game felt like wheel spinning where i didn't really have much to do and i did not break the game or the economy oh man i fit yesterday in game Oh, wow. Okay. Because I'm literally only doing one mini game every time I go to a place. Mm -hmm. I keep doing, uh, I basically the way that I've been rolling is that I will do a mini game until it doesn't give me a pineapple. Even though I know pineapples are kind of randomized, I will keep doing it until it stops distributing pineapples Uh, to me. And then, and then I, and then I stop. Yeah. Um, If you do one each time, this is really well balanced as a period of, get everything we unlocked, get it over time, try all of it in the battle simulator, and then put a thing together. Sure. Okay. And the re- I-, I think I think that works. Sorry, I, sorry to keep going. Simple. The no, reason I think that works is because previously you would get new gear all the time as your main means of progression because you did not have enough survivability for builds to be differentiated. And now that you can like take a round or two, your build and field. That's exactly what I'm going to say. I think we're at the point where you don't need to buy every part or every skill. You're about where you should have locked in what you want to do with a character. So if you see the thing that's move points down, you're not going to buy that if you have a mobile mech. If you see the thing that's minus two ammo, you're not going to buy that. The problem is that to me, this whole middle section, which right now is 
roughly a third of the game we've played has had no development in that mode and has in fact cut off some avenues. Like the tape store is open for three days. And then at that point, using that becomes RNG based. You can get a few different parts that are out of class if you get lucky with some of the mini games. But again, that is RNG based. The only development outside of perhaps locking in on what your build is comes down to some coin flips. And since this game is so ill-documented, there is no way to make an informed decision. You just get to throw yourself at the wall, hope you see all of the parts, and figure out from there what you are doing. Yeah, it is really interesting to play this game for a podcast with uh, uh, this is the first game that like doesn't have multiple extensive game facts and like text playthroughs and stuff that we can reference to make sure that we're not like missing stuff or whatever. Like the only walkthrough that's readily available is a YouTube Let's Play and I'm not fucking scrolling through that shit or scrubbing through that shit rather. So there is some, like, flying by the seat of my pants, hope I'm not breaking this, or, like, hope I'm not missing shit that we just don't, haven't had for any other game. Because, number one, this game is a year old, basically, at this point. And number two, it is it is not nearly as, as you said, well-documented as any other game that we've played before. Just Just to touch on build differentiation, if you look at how small my hit point pool is, but I can go from the start of the fight to instantly in her face, and my six-star punch does a hundred damage. Mm. It, it it's interesting, Sybil, that you're like you know at this point we can have settled on a build and don't need to buy everything. That's true, but because wanna... be, because some of my love of mecha games is that gearhead always be tinkering mindset. Can't wait to start Armored Core 6 uh, later Dude, this afternoon. Yeah. Um, like, I keep buying everything because I keep thinking, well, maybe there's going to be a, like an optional fight where I completely have to rejigger my build to to even stand a chance and i'm excited about that because yeah you're right for like the main story stuff we can just like have a build that we're building towards now and have completely built it out to the best of our ability there will be like 10 to 15 of those by the way yeah okay great but like it's at yeah i'm still buying everything because i still love to be a mech gearhead yeah and we're, we're gonna hit the new tier soon and the new tier is like very expensive by the end of the game, parts parts gonna have like two hundred and fifty health and like fifty armor each. So like, oh yeah, the scale. Yeah, is one really of my arms big. currently has like three hundred fifty, just because I got a part off the battle pass for that. Yeah. Damn. So like, the scale continues to go up, and like, even longer fights mean that you find even more nuance in your build. Like, what school skills come off cooldown when, and how do those sync up with each other? Right. I I just I do wish that another tier opened up just a little earlier yeah. instead of this being a gear check because it does it does yeah. feel like the momentum of the game the mom, the momentum of the game loop stalled out even though the plot momentum did not. And cycling in, back to the thing that yeah, brought in this the long on, term, are, that's like one eighth of the game, but right now it feels like a long time. Well, part of why this is what brought this out of me is that. 
the armored junker fight is the junker fight with the same amount of numbers, or just larger numbers. Mm-hmm. The same. Yeah, loot. it's not good. Well, there's some new moves. Like it has no arm attacks and stuff like that, like tackle. And it has some slightly different moves depending on how you interact with it. But it is mostly the same. Mm-hmm. All right. The, I did not. The numbers see a did really. The numbers really did change the character of the fight for my build specifically a lot. Okay. Okay. Like I came out of here with a broken taut arm and an almost broken head just because I couldn't take it down in a turn, Damn. which is my usual what my entire build is set on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The strong opener. It's it's interesting. Like it does it. The mechanical dead zone right now is real and feels very long, but because we're only a third of the way through the game, right? Like it's just barely over. Mm -hmm. So we come out of the match and we get not a bunch of time drinking at the writer, but another GW monologue. Life is a prison. I was shackled much too young. Foucault voice. I was taught I'd rather bleed an ocean than to shed a tear. I never meant what I said and never said what I meant. It didn't matter where I'd go. I was never free. But I thought I could at least free you. And maybe in the process, I'd be able to free myself. Here, the weight I've been carrying has become clear. I can't help but look back at all those times when I pretended to be what no one could. Behind the smiles, I could peek through the gaps dive into the wounds and scars that made us what we are. We're all so fucking hurt and so ashamed of letting others know I'm done with this shit. I'm breaking the unspoken rules. So for once, show me who you really are. Show me who you really are. And then uh, before the day turns over, uh, instead of... Also... Fancy Jack, very, very dumb to say that once we win, all drinks are on me, because now Duke's back and you know how much Duke drinks, so, like, that's gonna be expensive, Fancy Jack. But Yeah, but he drinks, like, Miller Highlight. That's $10, please. (laughs) Yeah, fair. Um, So, we're back in the city. Knife asks Duke what really happened, and Duke just straight up says, My mother's been kidnapped. Duke spent those days looking for her. He went to every spot she could possibly know of and couldn't find her. The only thing he got is a note saying she'll be safe for a while. Knife wants to call the cops, but Duke tells him it's no use. He messed with the wrong people. It's not just the gambling. They won't leave him alone, and he needs to leave to protect the gang. Knife offers to win the turn. With this for one second, with uh, some interesting script stuff here that's not in the game regarding that. These men, they're the police. They're the politicians. They control the world. <laughs> so love to love to borrow money from like corrupt politicians and the cop union. Yeah, I I'm glad that they changed that line. But yeah, wow. <laughs> oh, the next line's worse. I just happened to be the stupid fly that got caught up in their web, and now I'm too fat and attractive for them. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Uh, both Knife and Shade basically offer to win the tournament as fast as possible to bail him out. They're like, no, we can like we can get this money for you. Just give us some more time. But Duke correctly points out, he's like, nah, don't think of me. Think of the girl. This like endangers Nebraska. Shade says, listen, your leaving won't go well. And like, what do you who do you think they're gonna go after after they punch your ticket? These types of guys won't let his friends go either. Someone will have to pay those debts. Duke groans in assent, and Shade says that as long as they're still in the game, his mother's still got a chance. It's not like we have a choice. They're watching us right now. And then the camera pans over to a guy in a suit directly behind us outside the city, or, you know, outside, uh, like, near the defunct video store, just staring at us, monitoring us. Very who, this, who this is is a spoiler, by the way. Okay. I, yeah. The pair double down and are like, no, you're staying with us no matter what. And on the verge of tears, Duke says, damn you, crapheads. Fuck you, Shade. Just like, fuck you from the bottom of my heart. I'm so mad at you. You caused all of this shit. I hate you. I love this game. Yeah, and he came out looking like the hero anyway. Yep. You hate to see the villain win. Oh my god. So good. Should we discuss who that is right now? Like, it's not too big of a spoiler, but it does really change the character of the situation with Duke's Let's hold off. Okay. Because I think getting into that when we get it with the plot allows us to just flip a lot on its head. And we're going to cut they the... ever explicitly say that. Who it is. Two recordings from now, I think we have a point that works. Okay. Do we have any thoughts on the section of Wolfstride that we didn't already get into? I think I took most of my frustration out at a couple of specific points. The game... I think the game is stronger changing protagonists. I know there's at least one more of those segments. Um, So there is that to look forward to. But also, this makes me hate controlling shades so much more. Because now it's like... Oh, this could be better. Interesting. It. I have not switched back to Shade yet because I. I have not started Day Twenty Six yet. I. It. Uh, yeah. I. I feel like we covered everything that I have to say in the episode itself. Mostly that like, it felt like the gameplay doldrums, which was a bit of a bummer. But then everything that happens at the end of this episode with all of the plot is great and is wolfstride firing on all cylinders and just like there's one there's one gw line where he says we're all so fucking hurt and so ashamed of letting others know and that is just like the thesis of wolfstride to me and yeah that is transgressive to be honest about how you feel yes yes and when the game is exploring that, I think it is at its absolute strongest, like like you said earlier, Chris, about loss. So yeah, kind of bored playing through some of this stuff, but uh, the payoff was worth it for me. Yeah, definitely Mechanical Desert, but definitely also probably like strongest plot stuff so far. I guess related to that GW bit, can I bring up a name spoiler for the next episode to yeah. talk about why I hated the one line? We are the all dead motherfuckers is probably the worst GW line in the game. When I ticked over into chapter five, 
DMS, Dead MF Society. Fuck you. That, to, to me, that is simply anime. It is saying the saying a quiet part too loud and then naming a group after the part that you said too loud. But unless this is a speech that GW gave a bunch, why do the survivors know that to instantly name themselves that going forward? Yeah, baby. I mean, yeah, that... That is that is bad. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, just just wanted to get that out there. When because... we're not controlling Shade, he talks to GW's force ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that would explain a lot of how he takes care of some shit off screen. Yeah, right. <laughs> but next time, uh, I am a lot more positive if it helps. Yeah. Yeah, that is exciting. Hey. It's not a problem that you're down. The game is definitely up and down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I just feel like I have been ragging on it very hard this episode. And I did want to say, I haven't turned on the game as a whole. We have commercials. You can listen to myself and a few of the other hosts on the network discussing anime in various forms on Boku no Stop. And you Ooh, can find anime. all of my... <laughs> And you can find a helpful list of all of my projects and some writing at hellscaper.com. You can subscribe to our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, uh, although more than that will get you more shows. But at a dollar a month, you can listen to Icons and Icons, a podcast about Final Fantasy XIV that Chris and I do. The podcast is good even when Heaven's Word is bad. Which is the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Have no commercials. Check out 404media.co. Hell yeah. No, oh, nice. Um, God, that remap episode uh, with the 404 crew had some wild ass vice oh revelations. You all could have gotten fired on accident, is amazing. Incredible. And then, oh, it may have been on accident, but we can't reverse it actually, is also fucking wild. That's really. Yep. Ex- oh. I don't think anything will ever sum up the tire fire that was latter era vice more than that. Nope. Yeah, it's 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 beautiful. It sucks. <laughs> anyway, yeah, sorry. I to- totally did steal the icons and icons commercial from you because I haven't made music in a few months. That's fine. Whatever. Also, I'm unavailable anywhere and less available in the places I used to be to begin with. So I have nothing to advertise. <laughs> I hope you look forward to hearing about weird household products that I endorse instead. <laughs> Are you just trying to turn into motherfucking remap at this point? Oh, I would love. No, he's trying I, to turn into remo. To that's right. That's right. Shoehorns, check them. <laughs> I just came upon the episode where everyone but Nick Brecken tells me to go fuck myself over peanut butter and jelly the other day. That was a weird time capsule. <laughs> Fuck you, Gabe Newell. There will never be a podcast as good as important as true. It's Ever. true. Uh, I'm so fucking mad at Gabe Newell. Constantly. Uh, the... I mean, I'm I'm madder about In the Valley of Gods being killed by that acquisition. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. It'll be fine. It would have been a slightly better Telltale game, please. I, I am a Firewatch truther who thinks that Firewatch is, like, really, really good. So I was really excited to see what they did with a little more money, and mm-hmm. I'm very sad about it. 
Yeah, it makes me mad that they haven't just mercy killed it and it just sits on the Steam store as indefinite. Yeah. Anyway. Let's see, has anything changed? Oh, December 2029. Thanks. <laughs> God, 2029. Um, I can't. I, is, this, is this your thing where I also look up Hollow Knight news every week? like an idiot i don't do it every week just whenever i get reminded of it i go has anything changed and the worst part is they say hey look on the campo santo site the campo santo site is gone now yeah the in the valley of god site just says it is a valve product circa 2018 it's hollow night and way to the woods the two things i look up every week and every week i'm disappointed I can't believe Grime and Grime 2 are going to have been released between Hollow Knight and Silk Song. If they ever put out Silk Song, I'll play Hollow Knight. You have it, uh, you have me on the record multiple ways. Yeah. God, the trailer looks so good! It does. It I want to play it so bad! I do too. They made Microsoft into liars, which is funny. Uh, Hollow Knight, one of my ten favorite What do you mean, made games Microsoft ever. huge known liars? Fuck off. Yeah, but they gave that whole presentation that's like, yeah, everything we showed will be out in a year. And you know what the one exception was? Fucking Silk Song. Of course it was. That was the style. That was the story of Hollow Knight. Also, Team Cherry, known inability to a make their game's abilities work right in the like the programming sense and b do anything in a timely fashion. And you know what? That's fine because it turns out fantastic. Yeah, I wouldn't know either of those things. I haven't played Hollow Knight. Known Metroidvania hater Chris Taylor telling you it's the best one by a mile. The, uh, known Metroidvania lover also saying it's the best one by a mile. Uh, I it's I don't know. Axiom Verge exists. You got a high bar. Axiom Verge Ax- sucks shit. Axiom Verge 2 rules. I really hate Axiom Verge 1. Yeah, Axiom Verge 2. The second best one to me. Hmm. All right. Well, I have to go feed my partner's cat because uh, her whole damn family is off on Whippy Island. So, uh, goodbye. See ya. See ya.